1: Live from the NASDAQ market site, overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Pete Najarian, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Guy Dami. It's like Brady Bunch, huh? <laughs> Tonight on Fast, a bold call on Apple, why one top-ranked analyst sees nearly 20% upside for this stock. We'll break it down in our call of the day. Also ahead, we'll find out what is next for WeWork after the company officially pulls the plug on its IPO. And later, a golden opportunity. How much can you make on a big bearish bet on the gold miners. But first, break out your Palm Pilots and baggy your rocks wow. because we're throwing it back to 1997. Wow. Yep, 1997. That's because the S&P 500 is having its best start to a year since then. Oh, and if that's all you're hearing, you Fast Money fans out there. Very no, not, not one it? of our traders losing a fast pitch, not yet at least. That's Tony Braxton's okay. Unbreak My Heart, which was topping the charts in 1997. Meantime, back at the box office, a little movie called Titanic was oh, smashing was records. <laughs> so here is the question I as like we it. head into the fourth quarter Will it be a smooth sailing for stocks, or like the Titanic, is the market headed for a giant iceberg? <laughs> well done, Mel. Wow. Well, really well iceberg done. ahead, right? Iceberg or smooth sailing? <laughs> Choose your own adventure. You know, it's funny, I watched <laughs> that Titanic
2: movie when it came out. Yes. It. it was a good movie. It was very realistic. Like, it you felt it? like you were on the boat, remember? I mean I mean the, the all right, Tim's graphics. giving me the look. You know, the thing about <laughs> icebergs is just to sort of get some science here. Thank you. you only waiting see, for that. You only see this much of the iceberg. Most of it's they should have a <laughs> saying like that: Below water, below, below the water.) water. So the market has done an incredible job of navigating through what have been numerous icebergs this year. (laughs) It's weaving its way through. The people standing guard have absolutely seen the tips of those icebergs. Now, I've thought incorrectly that these small little icebergs in the water, they're huge ones underneath. But so far, so good. I'll say this. The VIX at 17 or 16 and a half in this environment, giving everything we've seen over the last couple of weeks, is too cheap. But the fact that the market continues to navigate... Mm. through what I think are landmines Mm. is extraordinary to me. Iceberg, sorry, wrong metaphor. Sorry. An
3: iceberg to a landmine. I think technically the market sets up. First of all, I agree with Guy. I think that everyone is positioned for all this negative space, and I think we're going up from here. Having said that, technically I think we're challenged. I think we close below a retracement. Mm -hmm. That makes me worried. So maybe not so clear.
1: Not so smooth, sound. Not so much smooth.
4: Well, you know, leaving aside all of these great metaphors, I mean, you think about where we were in 97 versus where we are now. And, and you had like, globalization was on the tip of everyone's tongue. We were in a place where actually yeah. you had reflation. You actually had asset prices moving higher. You had commodities about to embark upon a massive, actually after we got through a, a crisis of 99, I should say. But the, but the point here is um, I think the environment now is a post-crisis environment. And if anything, we heard this morning from an important central bank, not the Federal Reserve, but the Bank of Japan this morning, told us, we actually are going to be maybe trying to steepen our yield curve. We're not uh, of the view monetary policy can solve all issues. But we had no idea in 1997 what central banks would eventually do. And to this point, to Guy's point, you can't navigate what looks like a small iceberg above water. if it's a, But the flip side, is, central banks have actually made all those people expecting there to be icebergs underwater actually be traveling very slow through the Arctic when you could have been scooting through for much better returns. I hope you right. got something here, I mean, Pete. I hope you got you know, something that, here. I don't very know what that
1: exactly means. Scooting
4: through the Arctic. I would say this, <laughs> that we have
5: two major catalysts now in front of us. We had one, trade war. Now we got number two, the impeachment inquiry, right? I mean, so we've got two major catalysts that, if we can navigate through the icebergs
1: and get through those all these, the two these, major icebergs that you see Yep.
5: those those two are massive to me. I mean, we've we, we dealt with the yeah, but we've been dealing with the Fed, and we've been able to navigate through the Fed, I think, pretty well overall. But obviously, the trade war is something that we all are continuing to look at. Here we are near the highs, right? The S&P is near the highs, Dow's near the highs, and Nasdaq's near the highs. All this stuff, and yet. We still don't have any answers. We don't know when we're going to get any of these answers. And people are sitting there waiting, Mel, not wanting to miss out. But are they missing out? Are they long enough if we actually get this thing settled? I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Volatility is as low. It's amazing how our volatility is low, given the fact that we've got all these icebergs surrounding
4: us.
1: Are we? Posi- I mean, How are we positioned mm-hmm. at this point? I mean, Defensively, going into the fourth quarter,
4: a- I would a- imagine. Overall equity positioning is, is such that a lot of people feel we could be on a sinking ship and, and that you have a, a backdrop here where we're not just going to have a recession, we're going to have the type of a pullback that would have a major market bottom. And so when we have people come on our show and they talk about scenarios, one of them are major drawdowns in markets. Now we all know, if you look at some of the big recessions, and people generally cite two or three of them, we had drawdowns anywhere from peak to trough of 40 to 60 percent. That's not counting the financial crisis, which is a little bit deeper than that. To me, that is not what we're looking at. Um, if anything, we've seen a lot of this coming for a long time, and a lot of this has been priced in. Look at the market's move over the last six months. While it has been somewhat higher, think of the defensive rotation that's yeah. gone on. And you can make an argument that equities have position for a much bigger fallout than they actually are going to have. Yeah. But position Plus, with
5: protection is what I would say. I mean, honestly, what you're talking about right now when you said, yeah, we're down in the low 16s, which is exactly where you were, we were 17 and a half on a big spike just last week on Friday with the sell off. So, Look at how inexpensive we really are looking at, Mel, right now, given what we've got in front of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the time to have that insurance policy on the boat as we go through this whole thing. But you got I mean, a, <laughs> a life
2: jacket, Pete. No, more than... No, it's
5: not. This is truly... I'm not kidding. This is truly the insurance policy on the boat. You, you, you better made be the paid analogy, to 97 huh.
3: The analogy is to December, to, la- to last That's December. That's what I was going to ask about. So, so for me... Everyone is positioned for it to be another negative December, and I don't think you're going to see that. So I think we're positioned to have a coiled spring to the upside.
1: There are little things that remind you of last year, aren't there? You know, I mean, FedEx, many, FedEx, Micron, and Carnival. A lot women. of
3: there are lo-
2: More than little things, There are big things. And the fact that U.S. 10 years have gone now from 147 up to 182, I think it topped out at. It's back below 170 now. The bond market all of a sudden very quietly yields are going down again. Con Edison I know it was unchanged today. That stock continues to make an all-time high. Names like Procter & Gamble are, in my opinion, too expensive. But Tim mentioned something, and it's, I think it's really important. Speed, the speed of the boats. If you recall, the hubris of the Titanic right. was not just that it, it was, was unsinkable. It they were going too fast. And this market has not been going full
3: Pete, I
1: think your theme ahead. That was the more well, you I know. Think you're king, of the, king of the world. No, it was the Titanic. <laughs> oh, it's Titanic <laughs> it was the Titanic. The Titanic I don't music. Know if you <laughs> listen very, very carefully.
4: But he, really quickly, what what makes all this, uh, I think, just a metaphor is half the reason why we've had this start to this year is because of the December 2018 we had. We wouldn't be talking about this year in terms of performance through nine months um, if we didn't have a 22 percent pullback in October into the year end. So, um, really, where are we if you? kind of eased out some of that or softened or smoothed that. we're probably up six or seven percent right uh, nothing to be extraordinary about and a market that again from a positioning perspective mm-hmm. doesn't tell you that we're going to fresh new highs
5: before right. we go to carter can i just mention i got sure. married in 97 i think you did as well just, just same month right same month just just so you're good with your wife on that because i know i know it. that I, well, I, I you didn't say that. anything about it you could have I mentioned I it i was born
2: in 1963 oh. we can do this all show sorry Two days before me. You guys, four what, days. What's happening wait, wait, here? Oh, <laughs> you were going to make a point. That was it. Oh, that he was, he was it. Forgot it. He oh. forgot his point. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's yeah. a really
1: great point to make. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to turn to the charts now to see what is in store for Q4. Chartmaster Carterworth has not one, not two, but five different ways the end of the year could play out. He's over at the plaza to break it down. Carter? Well,
6: of course, there could be 50, right? But you have to limit the number. And so every year, and this is the 13th year, we have some, what's called choose your own adventure. Which is not so much picking how the market ends, but the trajectory traveled in Q4. So here is a weekly bar chart, meaning every bar is a week for the past two years. And then I'm going to go through the five scenarios that were put out this morning in the report. So first, there's scenario number one. The line is where we are now, which is that we back and fill here as we've been doing that... There are no Washington woes, that earnings are presumptively good, or whatever it is that causes the market to break out, and that we do break out in October, drift higher, November, December, and end the year at 31.50, which would be up 25.7%. Not bad. We're up 19 and change right now. And I can tell you so far we've got about 300 people who've replied, from largest long only to sort of beta neutral dollar neutral players, and this has been a popular pick. Scenario number two. In this instance, we have seasonal weakness, right? Maybe it's earnings are disappointing. Maybe there are Washington woes. We sell off fairly aggressively, stabilize at 2750, and then have seasonal strength in December, late November. And we end up a little bit above where we are now. We closed at uh, 2900 plus minus today. We end up at 3110. But again, not a bad year, up 20%. This was also very popular. Scenario number three. We break out fairly substantially here, as was the case in scenario one, earnings or what have you. But then people sell into that strength and we actually fade for most of November, December and end around exactly where we are now, 2980 for up 19 percent on the year. Now two more. They're the exact same conclusion, 2650, but totally different trajectories. In this scenario, we are down hard here in October. We're backing and filling a bit in November, and then we plunge again as low as 2400 and have a few weeks of strength ending at 2650. Now, keep in mind, to get down to 2400, that'd be about a 19% sell-off, but we end the year up 5.7 at 2650. And then the final scenario. Was basically we just drift and we, we don't uh, break out, but we don't have any sort of plunge and we just sort of kind of slump into the end of the year, also ending at 2650. And of these, uh, the, the betting is coming in fairly uh, even. And in certain years, over the past 13, it's been a huge preponderance of voters voting for one or two scenarios. And this year, it's almost spread out evenly.
1: Huh. A lot to digest. I had to follow along. Carter, come on, on over. Will will bring the chair in, as yeah, he man. always does.
5: Nicely done, Will. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Will. Great. So, Goodness. what's your choice?
6: My, yeah, exactly well i so i'm jumping the gun here because i do put in my vote but then if i were to put in my vote to people who i'm asking to vote that might bias them so i usually don't say that uh so we'll but never also, know. remind you I, I think you have yourself have voted in years past so i would encourage you to do that because you got the report as well so please put in your vote um my hunch is that we're not going to do anything spectacular no big breakout and that uh, it's either a lot of chopping back and fill or something unhappy, that iceberg maybe you're talking about, is a little closer to the pope than. Uh, would be expected.
1: So either flat or a drawdown yeah. like last year.
4: Three or six, um, sounds like, if yeah. I'm scoring at home. There, there go. is I'm, no six. There's a there six. There were five. Where <laughs> did you, you oh, make six? just got, <laughs> got three. or <laughs> <There's> five. <laughs> there's five.
0: five. <laughs> Actually, I've the spent a little too much six. time at sea. I'm six. a little bit lazy.
4: Let's go two and five. and five.
1: You can make a six. Well,
0: <laughs> I did. You <laughs> just created It yes. could be six.
3: <laughs> um
1: Okay, in the scenario in which we're just sort of choppy for the rest of the year, what what kinds of um, sectors will do the best in that environment?
6: So the, the real risk to the market is not so much that, uh, you know, tech gives way, because that's kind of happening. Mm-hmm. It's that the hope for recovery in industrial financials doesn't stick, right, because that's what people are hanging on. Um, if and as that happens, I don't see how you – can progress. That would be either more churn or if you have a simultaneous giving back of the gains uh-huh. from industrials, financial, other value names as tech continues to slump, then you've got lower prices generally.
1: And in the scenario in which there is a major drawdown, 20 percent or so, as you outlined, be, then...
6: That would have to be news related, which is to say you get a lot of FedEx Carnival Cruise type earnings mm-hmm. misses.
4: Right. Carnival or Cruise.
6: there's something really <laughs> unhappy... Uh, it, independent of your politics, for the market because of what goes on.
1: But I mean, all sectors would would do poor. There wouldn't be like a rose plying yeah. the fingers off right. of her lover. You yes, know,
6: yes, exactly. On the, so, on I mean I ain't getting a visual right there. Right,
1: so, I mean, that,
3: that, that was a beautiful. memorable scene. So of
6: I think about it. You know, <laughs> down right. in December uh, of eighteen. Uh, defensive things act better even if they go down.
2: What do you think of these scenarios? I, so I, I paid attention. Did, are, you are you following? I did. You no, I, I, I took copious <laughs> notes here. And in my opinion, given what's happened, I think Odyssey 2, Odyssey number two. makes the most sense. A move okay. down, I believe, to 2750 uh-huh. or so. You mentioned close the year right around where we are now. And if you think about it, that's somewhat logical. We're coming into earnings. Right. Maybe they disappoint. catalyst for the sell-off. He did mention the impeachment. Maybe this China deal doesn't get done. But the president, who is laser focused on the market, I think, towards year end will say or do something that gets us that year end rally, which is why, in my small mind,
3: Odyssey, Odyssey two, 2 makes the most.
6: Grassroot, to your point, I mean, it's very hard to get, I mean, to get a December like that and to get another December right. this year. That's right. low
3: odds. So I'm going to go with Odyssey number one, 3150. And I think that even if you get that wow. drawdown with impeachment, you don't get a conviction. So, either one is going to be a viable event because you just don't have the votes for a conviction in the Senate. So, either one of them is viable. You're not going to get a repeat in December. 3150, Odyssey number one. Do you one.
5: get Odyssey one, though? Do you have to have a deal done to get
3: Odyssey one? No, I think it, right, so now, it's just the impeachment? right now you have impeachment uh, to the layperson. No one understands what this is, it sounds horrific. Everyone sits on their hands, doesn't do anything, and then the closer you get to actually the day of reckoning never comes.
6: I mean, it would be a 6% gain for the quarter. If you go 1929 to present, all Q4 returns about 2.5%. It's it's, uh, typically good, but that would be very good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're six.
4: Well, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not six <laughs> at <be> all. <laughs> six, is, <laughs> six, obviously, we said doesn't exist, and guy called me on. But five would be like Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, that would be, wow. just, it's not happening, 1975, Gordon Lightfoot. I, I think it's actually number three. I had to look and write him down because I got him wrong two times already. But number three to me is one where even today we learned that, that basically five— Fed pricing or expectations on how many cuts we get this year has gone from almost too guaranteed to maybe we don't even get any. Um, I think between that and where you start to see political positioning scare people. I don't think you're going to see any major changes. But uh, to the extent that the market is not priced in any, any competition from right. the other side of the aisle for the for the White House next year. I think that gets you to a place where you're somewhere around twenty eight hundred or so it says on number, number three. three. Odyssey. Eight. I'm looking at
5: Odyssey three
1: okay,
4: as well. I, I, the reason I do that, I don't think we get a trade deal.
5: But I think we get a lot closer, and I think we start to get a little bit more negotiation. I, I still stand by this. And Dan and I had it at, last week. We went at it a, pretty good. But I look at what's going on in China. I still think the pressure is more on them than it is on us. And because of that, I think we get progress on a deal. I don't know that we get a deal. But I think that lifts this thing up.
1: All right. Carter, thank you. Nice did you Carter, tell us what his pick what He can't. He can't. He, he, can't. he, he can't. said he doesn't want it. We
6: all the ball. I'd rather bet down than up without putting my vote. Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks, Carter. So cagey. So cagey. Coming up, we were officially calling off its IPO. It's better than creating a whole new odyssey. doesn't this. We will tell you what's next for the company, plus stocks. (laughs) I need a quarter near new records. Our traders will tell you which names they would trade and which ones they would fade. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Big news in the IPO world. WeWork officially pulling the plug on its long-awaited debut. Deirdre Bosa's got all the details from San Francisco. Hey, Deirdre.
7: Melissa, that IPO was supposed to bring in as much as $9 billion, $3 billion in equity, $6 billion in debt to fuel that growth that made WeWork look like a tech company in the first place. Now, absent that, the company is forecast to run out of cash sometime in the second quarter of next year. Before that happens, new Co-CEOs, Artie Minson, Sebastian Gunningham, they're expected to overhaul the business and get it ready for a capital raise a little later under much different circumstances. Better corporate governance, likely slower growth. Now, selling or spinning off some of its many acquisitions may be one way to cut costs. In the run-up to its now botched IPO, WeWork acquired more than 20 companies. Here's just a few of them. They range from a coding boot camp for students to a marketing platform for brands to the developer of a messaging app for college students. Some even look pretty similar. There was Waltz and Welco, both of them developers of an office sign-in system. Now, WeWork may also get some more help from SoftBank, and not just in the form of more capital. According to Bloomberg, the conglomerate is tapping its own COO, Marcelo Clare, to help with the overhaul. Now, if, guys, WeWork is in fact headed for more disciplined spending, silver growth, it raises the question as well of what happens to the commercial real estate market in some of its biggest markets, places like New York and London, where WeWork has become the largest private sector tenant. So these are all questions that are going to be asked going forward. Melissa.
1: All right, Deidre, thank you, Deidre Bosa. And you got to remember back when Rosengren, not too many weeks ago, warned about the impact of the instability of WeWork on commercial real estate in the next recession. Would the losses be much deeper because of what is going on in WeWork? It's almost like we're seeing it play out sort of right now.
4: In slow motion, even, even when, in fact, you haven't seen that kind of a collapse either in the economy or the real estate market. And New York City is a case in point where you've had an enormous explosion of commercial properties and, and, and actually, you know, the, the, the pricing for some of these is actually moving lower. Uh, what I think this exhibits, and, and we're seeing it in other asset classes as well, where you, as well, where you have kind of a story timeline, a story stock, something that structurally wasn't making money. No one wants to hear the story anymore. This isn't just happening in the IPO market. It's happening in other asset classes. It's even happening with Netflix to that to a certain extent. So uh, that is what's going on. The IPO market overall is, I think, uh, being held to a light. It should have been held to a long time ago. And that includes corporate governance. That includes uh, insider dealing and essentially conflicted dealing. Let alone structural profitability. So you know, to me, I don't think this is going to change. And I don't think this is just a WeWork story. Even though this story, um, when people hold a bright light to it, doesn't make a lot of sense. I
1: mean, I think there are a lot of things that come into question, not just valuation, but also corporate governance. the idea of a dual class share structure i mean at some point investors are going to be pushing back and they look at this and they think you know what adam newman actually voted against himself When they did a vote on who should be CEO and whether or not he should continue, he voted. But there are some CEOs who would never do that.
2: No. (laughs) But to your point, I think you're you're getting that pushback now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, people say, why do you spend so much time on WeWork? You know, it's not WeWork specifically. It's the fact that SoftBank, who a lot of people champion as some of the savviest investors out there... You know, they made a significant investment in this company at a $48 billion valuation that's now 70% less than that. If that were the stock market or another publicly traded stock, people would say, oh, my goodness, the reason why they don't look at it is because it's not publicly traded. That is problematic. I think one of the reasons is because central banks have flooded the system with cash. People have gotten lazy. Now, it hasn't found its way into the broader market, but the concern, in my opinion, would be when does it? And to the points you were talking about, commercial real estate and such, the warning signs, the tips of the icebergs to get wow. back to the top wow. of the show. Let's not. Well, we did. are <laughs> there. He's there. I'm there. I'm right
3: there. I'm on the, what do they call that thing? The crow's nest of the ship. The market did this, right? Everyone was looking for growth. When we heard Deirdre (laughs) open up that segment, it sounded like this was Google and their other investments to me. They were looking for anything other than what they did day in and day out. So do I think it's going to change? Yes, but I don't think it's going to change as much as we all think it is.
1: Do you think it's a good, I mean, SoftBank putting Marcelo Clore, if that is true, in place to be the next CEO? I think it's a great move to have
5: somebody within to be able to try to navigate this thing. I think the problem, however, has been what you just brought up, which is the other people, the investors, have become relatively lazy. Everybody just wants to throw some money back. And I've talked to guys even, you know, a lot of professional athletes come to me and say, hey, what should I invest in? I want to get in the IPO before the IPO and all the rest of this kind of thing. And it's like, hey, look, you really better understand what the company's doing. And are they going to be, I bring it up all the time, but a path to some sort of profitability. And I continue to hit on that because I look at Lyft, I look at Uber, I look at tel- Peloton, and some of these names, and WeWork, I think you could throw in there as well. When do they make money? How are they going to make money? Is there growth there? I mean, there's a whole chain of questions that have to be answered, and I don't think people were asking those questions. They were just throwing money, saying, you yeah. know what, When it at IPOs, I'm going to make money, and I'm going to take it off. That's not happening and By the anymore. way, it's
1: not just VC money. <laughs> right. It's also... Uh, growth funds, growth yes. mutual funds. who also took a, big right. stakes in a lot of these companies along the way. So,
4: but, but and but a lot of this money goes back to pension funds and public, yeah. you know, mis, exactly. municipalities who had to reach out the risk curve to own this stuff because and, there, and there were
1: no other alternatives. Be,
4: because of central banks, yep. it's the, all of, a financial oppression, if I may.
1: All right, you can wow. read more about WeWork on our website, CNBC.com. Here's what else is coming up on Fast.
6: We're closing the books on the third quarter. So what's in store for Q4? We're breaking out your year-end playbook. And later, our call of the day. One top-ranked analyst making a bold bet on Apple. Why, he sees the stock jumping nearly 20%. Stick with us. Fast Money is back after this quick break.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks closing out the last trading day of the third quarter in the green, but it was one rocky quarter. Dom, Choose back in the newsroom to break down some staggering stats of Q3. Hmm. Hey, Dom.
9: Well, oh, what a quarter it's been, Melissa. There are a few standout sectors to focus on. First of all, bad news, right? It was a quarter to forget for the energy complex, by far the worst performing sector in the overall S&P 500. It was also a rough one for the healthcare sector as well. And by the way, you can just extrapolate that three-month trend into the year-to-date numbers as well, where those two sectors, energy and healthcare, again, the biggest laggards by a pretty wide margin as well. As for the leaders this past quarter, is the best offense a good defense, or is it the other way around? I forget. Regardless, it was less economically sensitive, and the more defensive sectors, like utilities real estate and consumer staples that led the way now some individual names in economically sensitive sectors and industries still managed to post a stellar performance in the third quarter now the strength of the American consumer manifested itself in target shares up around 23 percent in that span you've also got social media platform Twitter poisoning a gain of around 18 percent perhaps but not everyone participated you got J.P. Morgan Chase. It did outperform the market, but the gains were around a modest 5%. And Caterpillar is still seen as being dependent on U.S.-China trade headlines. It's down around 7% in the quarter as well. So, Melissa, it's still a stock picker's market. So where is the best opportunity into year-end? I will leave that to you and the traders to suss out. I'll send things back over to you.
1: All right. Thanks, Don, for the setup. Seems like a perfect time to play a little...
9: Would you rather?
4: Trade, oh, it. Oh, trade fade it or it. Why'd you jump it, Tim? Well, I was you wrong, jumping? once again. So I mean, was I, I, wrong. I didn't jump anything, guys. In fact, like, I was just guessing I was wrong. was number six
1: right there. All right. So we're going to play our favorite <laughs> fast money Seven. game, <laughs> trade it or fade it. Today we're talking q three standout stocks. So we kick things off with Target, which Dom had mentioned, one of the best performers in the S&P 500 this quarter. In fact, Target just handed in its best quarter since June of 2003. So, Tim, trade it or fade it?
4: Uh, I'm going to trade it, and I'm going to play the game the way it needs to be played, out of the gates with it. And and Dom mentioned best offense is a good de- This has definitely been a case of a best defense is a good offense. But to be clear, Target had a lot of room to make up in multiple with Walmart, which also is trading in excess of its five-year average historical multiple, as is Target at this point. I think you have to fade it. I, I just think it's been such a great run. There's nothing that they're doing wrong here. Hang on. But this multiple, you got a
3: multiple. Faded. You started with trade it. Traded it. Then you fade it. Hey, I think it's faded. It. Yeah, I meant to fade it. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I right. meant to fade it.
3: I meant it. to fade it. Oh so so iceberg, so dead ahead.
1: This is Odyssey well, number six. All terms, over so I'm again. the seller
4: <laughs> of, this, of this company. Just no, to but be I clear, understand I'm a Tim's seller seller problem levels. because, well, you know, you know so in terms of the
1: confusion, so we
4: brought
2: this note because when you're trying to establish your roster and you're looking to get rid of something, you're trading that person. But it's not my personal preference. I mean, the game is not named correctly.
3: Thank, Thank you. you. And when you want to keep them do you fade them? No, it should you know it
2: should be like, you know, uh, I don't I don't know we should It should th- be like buy it or sell it. No, but that's not <laughs> too, <laughs> obvious. I mean, that's
1: too, too obvious. That's just obvious. <laughs> Anyway, back to this game. Mm-hmm. I would
2: be, so he's he faded Target. Yes, Eventually. Let's be clear. Yes, Eventually he did. He, he did Fandant. that as well. You know, although the stocks had a huge run, I would continue to trade it. I mean, the run has been unbelievable, but it's finally gotten the valuation it deserves. But as long as Walmart continues to move higher and its valuation in- increases, I think Target can as well, so I would trade it. I think
5: it. you can forget to Walmart. I think you just got to look this at one. margin oh. growth is there. E-commerce is there. Digital is is there. Power
1: pitch for you. So
5: when you look at everything that's going on, it was too cheap when it was fifty. It's too cheap still. I think it's sixteen PE or thereabouts right now. Forget about. Yeah, maybe seventeen. But but you did you factor in the growth outlook they have in terms of what they put out there? So for the next year. I mean when you put all this together I still You've think been right, man. So, no 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 I just no, no I'm just question. saying that I still think there's more upside here because of the fact their traffic numbers and everything is just a little bit bigger.
1: Well let's see what you think about this next one, which oh, yeah. is also oh. up big this quarter. Twitter, it's up eighteen percent on the quarter, traded or faded.
5: I think this one you've got to trade it because you're going into an election year. This is a company that just continues to get growth the right ways, and they're starting to figure out the whole monetization process much better than they once did years ago. They've actually gotten that, and they're getting more and more customers. I think when you've got the president that we've got in office, that almost alone tells you, hey, Twitter is the place to be. This is the place to voice yourself. It might be nasty. Bob Iger doesn't like it. They thought about buying it. Somebody might still step up at some point in the future. Never. And maybe not. Too not, expensive now. Not, not Disney, but somebody right. might step up for for Too Twitter.
3: expensive. I'm going to be a fade it. On Twitter, I think all of that stuff. I agree with you, but I think it's all in the stock. Fade Fade on positive on this one. It's up 43 percent
4: year to date. You're positive. You're fading. I'm positive.
3: And it's gotten a pass in the social media space, and I don't think that pass continues. I think more scrutiny with the elections is coming on board. I do agree with higher ad dollars being spent going to the elections, though.
1: Do you trade it or fade it, sure, just to be clear time.
4: Just to be clear, I'm going to trade this one, which means I like it, yes. um, which good. means I would buy it. And in fact, Twitter, at the point of where we are, the election cycle is nice. The most important thing here is that the DAUs or the MAUs, their, their user base is growing low teens. That's nothing to do cartwheels about. Their ad growth is in the 30s. This is something we've been waiting for for a long time, monetization. It's not terribly sexy, but it is growing, and that's what we wanted.
1: All right. Let's go to Caterpillar. Also, this one's yours. Down 7% this quarter. Trade it or fade it.
3: So I'm going to trade this one. And I do believe that you have a tailwind of that deal that is eventually coming down the pike. And if we start to see a resurrection of value over growth, this one yields over 3%. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trade this, and I'm sure. Key. I got got to
2: go on the fade route because I don't think there's necessarily going to be a deal. This stock has underperformed now for quite some time on a tape that's been, with the exception of a here or there, exceptional. So I think it
4: continues to trade lower, so
2: I fade it
4: got to fade it, too. You, you don't buy commodities when they're cheap. You buy them when they're expensive. It's the same thing with Caterpillar. People talk about this company when it's cheap. It's time to buy it. The headwinds for the entire global cyclicality of what they do, not happening, not buying it.
5: They lowered the guidance. They missed last quarter. That all bothers me. I understand what Steve's seeing. We do get a trade deal. These guys will be up. Yeah. But that's still something. It was up 20% what,
6: last yeah.
3: month. August going to September yeah. was up 20%. You still can see More that same 20% pop. It came off a
1: little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Last but never least, Guy Dami. Uh, J.P. Morgan's okay. up 5% this quarter. Oh, Trade it or fade yes, it. Yes, and
2: I'm going to give you an answer to that question, but I came up with a name for the game. This is actually, I think everybody might like I this. need some help here, man. Be you ready? All right, bring yeah. it on. It should be. Now, listen cl- closely. It should be crave it. When you crave something, you want something, or wave it with an I, not this wave. Yeah, I to like, you fade, fade your, your new name. that's one strategy. of the I worst suggestions I, I've ever heard. Wow. I'm going to wave J.P. Morgan, not with, a, with the I, not the W-A-V-E. And this is the reason why. I understand it's a premier franchise. I get it. But you know what? It's priced that way. Tangible book in J.P. Morgan last quarter was 57 dollars $58. It is trading close to two times tangible book. That is a lofty valuation in this market. Yes, they deserve it. But how much more are you going to get, which is why I say wave it with an eye?
1: That's terrible. Don't use that again. Yeah, Brave yeah. it or wave it, Mel. Coming up, Apple jumping more than 2% today as J.P. Morgan bets on a big Apple rally. But can a new iPhone really carry the stock to new highs? Plus, healthcare getting hurt will tell you why there might be more pain for the sector ahead. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Apple might be focused on a big pivot to services, but that's not stopping J.P. Morgan from catching iPhone fever. This is our call of the day. J.P.M. slapping a brand new $265 price target on Apple. That's up from $243. That implies Apple has legs to run nearly 20% higher from here over the next 12 months. J.P.M. anticipating increased iPhone sales will do the heavy lifting as the 5G revolution comes here to the U.S. Apple jumping 2% today on this call, so... You feeling the iPhone fever, Tim? Yeah,
4: I'm feeling it. I'm feeling hot. I mean, I, I think it, it, the street is coming on board with two things. What J.P. Morgan's doing is a little different than some. They're talking about a, a, a multiple, a hybrid multiple at services and hardware. They're also talking about actually increased shipments. They're saying that the 2019 expectations were too low and that, yeah, we have 5G coming. And they're also saying that the 2020 product lifestyle, second half especially, with 5G, three 5G phones is very good. So what I like about this the story, and I agree with it, um, but I'll count on their analysts to have the market insight and the channel check, they see better iPhone shipments. That's not what other people are talking about. And if that's the case, people are way too low in the stock. Yeah, Pete.
5: I would agree. I mean, I, but I've, I'm moving more and more away from the iPhone. You and I talked about this earlier, but it's now less than 50%. I don't know how many people, not only on the desk, but, you know, all these analysts, when did they think they'd reach the point where it would be under 50% of their revenue? I mean, I think it's, it's amazing to me. Because of the fact that you look at services, you look at wearables, you look at AI, you look at AR and all the different areas that they got that are going to start filing in, Mel, I think sooner or later we're going to see these phones, even with the 5G, I'd be happy to see that, actually see that number in terms of percentage of revenue come down even further. So
1: 2020, what's going to be the big catalyst for Apple?
5: Well, I think to Tim's gonna, point to 5G, 5G. what they're pointing out. But, yeah. but let's not forget, when you're looking for margin and growth, it's wearables right now and service. And that's where you're getting it. And because of that, and they're going to start spending a lot more money when you get towards the TV and all the, all the different areas there. So that will suck a little bit of Where's money out.
4: Where's your iPhone? Uh, I, what, no,
5: wearing, I'm not a, I'm not a, I love the wearables, but I don't wear, but to, I don't wear but them.
3: But to that point, everyone was thinking about what, <laughs> one day these services will happen. One day uh, Apple Arcade is going to happen. One day uh, apps, App Store is going to either uh, crescendo or escalate. So you don't, as long as you start to throw in the hardware... Now on top of it, everyone discounted it. It was consensus that we were batting up against resistance. We break through 233, the stock is off to the races.
2: You know, to Pete's point, it's a good thing that now iPhones are less, and that's trending in the right direction. And, you know, so go back to October of last year. This was a $232 stock at its pinnacle, and we pointed out it's probably going to continue to levitate towards that. If you want to play the math game and say they deserve some blended multiple, given all the different businesses now, of a 22-ish you know, given they're going to earn close to twelve dollars and seventy cents next year, that gets you that and Pete mentioned several all the time. Katie Huberty's number, I think, is yep. two eighty, and that's your took two hundred eighty dollar number. And Gene Munster's, to, great. And Gene He's Munster's up at as well. So it's got to get to two thirty two first. I think they report on Halloween. One of my favorite times. <laughs> Are you in to a
1: costume this year?
2: Candy corn? Don't you want to know? How do you maybe <laughs> maybe Yeah, maybe I will on the fast market. Are you wearing one now? You know, I knew you were going to sit. It was a tee-up for
0: that.
1: Where's the laugh track? There There it is. is. It's not funny when you have to ask for the laugh (laughs) track. It's not a good sign. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Call me up. Taking a sick day. You'll hear from one analyst who downgraded two health care stocks ahead of next year's election. We'll break down that big call and how to trade it. And later, a golden opportunity. Why one options trader is making a big bearish bet on the miners. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast, honey, right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. There may be some health care hurt ahead. For a few names, BMO downgraded United Health and Humana today, citing uncertainty over the 2020 election. Joining us is the man who wrote that note, BMO's Matt Borsch. Welcome to the show, Matt. Great to have you
0: with Thank us. Thank you. Great to be here. Um,
1: so break down why you think this, fe- I mean, it's really the fear of a Democrat. And specifically, is it Elizabeth Warren?
0: Well, it could be Elizabeth Warren. It could Bernie be Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I don't think investors necessarily see a big difference there. Um, and actually, we're not we're not betting that we'll get something like medicare for all we don't think medicare for all can can get passed okay this is about the investor concern that you go from having an administration that is about the friendliest you can get to for-profit managed care companies to an administration that would be a really tough regulator tough on these companies uh... as i think you know would certainly a warren uh, or or other progressive candidate administration.
1: So let's be clear, you're not making a call on the election, but you're making a call on the volatility leading up to the election as perhaps uh, people get more concerned when they see who the actual uh, Democratic candidate will be.
0: Yes, and in particular last week with Mm -hmm. what happened with Ukraine and the opening of the impeachment inquiry, this is not a sector downgrade. What we're actually doing is reshuffling our ratings uh, looking for a more defensible position with the the, the ratings that uh, we have now, so we we downgraded the higher valuation names, United Health and Humana, that have a concentration in Medicare Advantage. We think Medicare Advantage has a high beta to Trump um, and we 've emphasized the lower valuation names that are more tied to Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so that's the ACA exchanges in Medicaid.
1: So those are the more defensible businesses, as you say.
0: Yes, because I think that investors are going to expect, and I believe it will be the reality uh-huh. that if we get a Democratic administration, the incremental stuff that they will turn to is strengthening the ACA exchanges, strengthening Medicaid, and so that's why that's why those companies are more of a hedge.
1: I've seen other healthcare analysts track. Uh, the spread between Warren and Biden, and when Warren pulls ahead, that's worse for the XLV, the ETF that tracks healthcare. So, if Biden actually manages to to remain in the front, and it looks like that lead is is sort of getting narrower and narrower as time goes by, is that as much of a concern to it's, you?
0: It's not as much. It's not okay. It's not as much. But I think it's still going to be the case that if if Trump is defeated, the industry will have lost the best regulator. They probably ever had. Um, and, you know, Biden is known as a moderate, but it's going to be anybody's guess what kind of people he's going to put in charge of CMS and other agencies okay. that matter.
1: OK. And last quick question. Is there one name in your coverage universe that you think investors are selling off indiscriminately that actually deserves to be held through the election?
0: I th- I would I would highlight Centene. OK. I'd, Centene, I think, is, you know, it's trading at eight and a half times our 2020 EPS. That is really extraordinary if you look at the history of the valuation. That's a 50% discount to the broader market despite an outlook for above, you know, low teens uh, EPS growth over the next several
3: years at least.
1: Okay. Matt, great stuff. Thank you very much. Thank Matt you. Borsch, BMO. Where do you go here
3: in healthcare? So, so I think that I, I equated to when Obama was president, you had Obamacare. Everyone got ahead of it and sold the space. They oversold it. It was an overcorrection. I think all of these names are going to be viable. Mm-hmm. The closer we get to the election, I don't think Trump is getting uh, ousted. I think that he's, he's not going to lose. So I think. All these are going to be buys the closer we get.
1: Wasn't UNH your final trade the other day?
4: Yeah, and I think the market is, is already priced in an enormous amount. Of Matt makes a great point. And, in fact, if, if we saw Senator Warren increase the, you know, at least her standing, then I, I think people would start to do the math. But I think the market's already begun to do, to do the math. And we've been doing the math on this show for this sector on political risk for the last 13 years. And, and to me, it's always been an opportunity to buy. Now, UNH, uh, on the eve of elections, was $140 stock. Um, it traded to a high of about 280 and the, and the multiple um, grew about 30%. I, I think where you've gotten it back to here at around 220 and a multiple that's around 16 times is very attractive for this company.
1: Where else in healthcare do you think is defensible in light of political turmoil? Well, depending on,
5: I mean, Steve, you're making a bold point. I like that you're doing that. But I I tell you what, depending on if it's Biden or Warren, that really does shift this whole thing dramatically. I I mean, I still am a big believer in some of the pharma names. But we all know, as you brought up earlier, you start to see those names go down as we start to see some of these poll numbers start to move to the other side. So I think in the end game, I think some of them have gotten way too cheap, Mel. So I think there are some big names in pharma that you can still own.
2: You know, Tim, 16 times trailing UNH, but it's 13 times forward numbers, which I know can change for UNH. But that's historically at the low end for them compared to sentient expensive, but compared to themselves historically, very cheap. They report on the 15th. The levels we're trading at now, by the way, are exactly where we bottomed out in April. I'm more inclined. Exactly. I'm more inclined to, to... Wave it. It's not waving. It, then wave it. I Thank
1: wish you. you would just drop that. Sorry. Yeah. That <laughs>
2: right. That's Tim's fault that time. It wasn't mine.
1: Coming up, the gold crushed the yellow metal, struggling again today. And options traders are betting on even more pain ahead. We'll break down the action. We're live at the Nasdaq in Times Square. Much more fast still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out gold losing its shine, falling nearly 4% over the last week as the U.S. dollar soars. One trader in the options market is betting that if the slide continues, mining stocks might end up in a big hole. Mike Coes in San Francisco with The Action. Hey, Mike.
8: Hi there. Yeah, so I was looking at AEM, Agnico Eagle Mines. We saw about two times the average daily option volume there. Amongst the activity that we saw, the November 50 puts, those were very active. That included a purchase of about 500 of those for a 20. The buyer of those puts is obviously making a bet that the stock's going to decline below that $50 strike price by at least the $1. 20 that they paid. That would represent a break-even price of about 10% from where AEM closed today. And while we did see a little bit of bullish activity in GDX, we saw some weekly buyers with the 27.5 calls, and there was a lot of activity also in the GDXJ, the junior miners. We saw some longer-dated call buying in the 45 strike in November. Some of that may actually have been just covering some short positions, taking advantage of gold's weakness. And I would say gold peaked, basically, it looks to me like the first week of September, and not much of the flow we've seen since then expects it to catch up with how the S&P has been performing since then.
1: All right. Um, Have we seen the peak? I mean, especially as the dollar index in today's session hit a 28-month high. Have yields bottomed?
4: I mean, I I think, you know, the rally in gold was, as much as we find an occasion, find every reason to want to own gold, and that's, you know, in its defense, some of that's true. Um, Deflation has been the biggest argument for getting gold into this range. I also think if you think of the Fed expectations are not as aggressive for cuts, that's another thing weighing on gold along with the dollar. So on
2: Friday's Fast Money, which is a half-hour show because we're followed closely by, by Options Action. Options action. Right. But one of the things I said towards the end was this will be an important week for gold to the upside. I didn't okay. think it was going to have this type of move today. Th- that said, I don't think the gold move is over by any stretch of your imagination. I hear what Mike's saying. Pete probably has some views on it as well. But I think gold is resting here. you going to wave think- it right now.
1: Well, can't you? No, t-
2: I'm t- not. Just quit that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not waving it. I'm not. I continue to. Cry. Okay, I'm continue waving to cry. all of you guys. Sorry, you can't do that. No. Yeah, I you can. Can't I just everybody. did. You need somebody oh, else. Well, I wave roster. you, my
1: co. Thank you from Options Action. Tune <laughs> into the full show Friday 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, final trades. You know,
5: you were talking healthcare earlier, and you asked me, what do you like in that world or whatever? And I said, the big pharma names. How about Bristol Myers? It's hit three times in
4: September. A big buyer today, out to June. Giddy up, baby. It's going higher. Tim Seymour. So we played a game called Faded or Traded, and I was actually <laughs> trading. trade Traded or Traded. Traded or said. And in fact, I still want to trade it because I think the growth is there. They're finally seeing ad, and I think the valuation makes sense. <laughs> it says buyer. That Ooh.
1: means you're a uh, buyer of Twitter. I'm a buyer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just checking. It. <laughs>
3: Steve Grasso. Yeah, I agree with J.P. Morgan. Apple. I like it on a breakout. I think it's breaking out above that 233 price. Nice. Wait for that to happen. Give away this six or seven dollars. But Apple is my final.
1: Well, let me preface this, guy. Don't give me any of this grave yeah. nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Final trade.
2: BioGen Mel. No, I know. I'm just. You know, I have feelings too. BioGen's been bouncing <laughs> around the bottom, but it's too cheap in our October 15th release.
1: So you see you back here tomorrow. Five more fast, not money. Starts Hopefully. right now.